worship team. They always do a great job. Amen? I think, I, think both are, I think both are on. That's good. Praise Jesus. Well, happy Mother's Day. Amen. How many know you wouldn't be here without your mom, right? Good, good reason to, to shout amen to that. If you got your bulletin this morning, just a, a couple of uh, announcements. Um, not going to rehearse them all, but just uh, a reminder of um, of next week with Carol Rudick's birthday celebration. Just want to remind us that uh, that we are that Carol's family is going to be preparing a lunch after the Sunday morning worship gathering. Isn't that fantastic? And uh, but it has been requested that there that we would sign the RSVP list. There is a list that's on the front seat here uh, on, in a, uh, on one of the boards, the clipboards, and just so we know how many are going to be in attendance for that, so that we can that, that the food can be prepared adequately. We can serve uh, everyone. I think that's going to be great. Big milestone, amen. We also have a milestone today, amen. And maybe, maybe you know, maybe you shouldn't have been so fast to leave the piano. But uh, uh, could we, could we sing uh, "Happy Birthday" this morning? Amen. Can we do that. Well, yeah, maybe we could do the piano. Is that okay? We're, we're okay. Cheryl, Cheryl, with a very uh, uh, a mild day, you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, God. Happy birthday to you. And okay, the what's the Christian version? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. You feel Jesus near every day, every year. Happy birthday to you, a happy birthday to you. Never have. You know, that's been a long time. So, yeah, you can clap if you want. That's a long time since we did that one. I think I was back in, what, Sunday school years? Sunday school years, when we used to sing, when we all pulled together, right? Also, uh, just uh, also, um, just uh, it was made mention as well, we also have a sign-up, I think, as well for um, the following Sunday. On the 28th, uh, Pastor Dave Hall is going to be with us uh, again. To uh, just a reminder of that, uh, to to again, he's hauling out his his power tools to uh, I guess to bolt us in a little tighter than we are now. They call it an installation, so I think that's what they're going to do: haul out the um, the power tools, bolt us in. Uh, we had a chance to go to district conference this week in Calgary. First time that we had to navigate Cal- uh, Calgary. I'm so thankful for technology. I'm thankful that the Lord put it in someone's heart to, to, to create a GPS. Because we would never have gotten here and we would have never gotten anywhere, really, since we've gotten here. Vigorville is a little more easy to navigate at times. Sometimes I'm making a right or a left when I should be making the right or left. You know, my wife corrects me because she, she has a better sense of direction. 
But thankful for GPS, um, we got down to district conference. And just before we receive our offering as we worship the Lord with our giving, just, uh, just want to let you know we have a great district here. Uh, some really great leaders, great hearts. I mean, fantastic. I mean, I came away from conference just really thrilled to see that we have people who are serving at the, at the executive leadership team and serving in our Bible college. And uh, just great hearts, great vision, great plans, just what, you know, what they really want. They just, they just want, they just want the Lord to have his way in, in this, in this region. And, uh, I was so, uh, just so enthralled by what the president of the, I remember the president of the Bible college, if you can just humor me just for a second here, he was supposed to bring the financial report for the college. And so we all turned to page 23, expecting that a guy with an accounting background would begin to highlight some of the numbers from the previous year. And after about probably a good 30 minutes, we weren't, we weren't counting, but he must have at least went 30 minutes. I mean, the president basically preached us all happy. And then by the time he got to the financial report, he said, oh, by the way, he said, if you want to see the financial report, it begins on page 23, and that's my report, chairman. He was so excited about what God was doing at the college and the vision, direction, and what they wanted to see happen in the lives of the students is that, the, is that for him, the numbers were just what happened in the past. We're interested in what's going on in the future. And so as I listened, I thought, that's the best financial report I have ever heard. Because, I, you know, the numbers say something, but it does say something about the past. I'm interested in what God has for us next. That's what I, and that was the theme of our conference, next, what God has next. But I just want you to know that in that report, what struck me the most was only, only about a third of our churches in the Alberta district, Northwest Territories district, supports the college. And... Uh, how many know that Vanguard College, as an example, just one ministry, and there's a number of different ministries in the district, but Vanguard College is this district's college. It is this district's college. And uh, I'm, I was very, you know, I'm not a big numbers guy, but I was looking in the numbers, and I'm, I was so thankful that as I sat there and listened that I know that Maple Street Worship Center supports Vanguard College. And I actually wanted to get up to just say, hey, we need, we need to have other churches challenged to do that. But in our support of Vanguard College, we are supporting and we are investing in the future. Amen? So when we give, when we give, when we reach in, we partner with what God is planning to do, what he wants to do. When we reach in and we write our checks or we swipe our cards or we give our cash or whatever that it is, into the offering plates of this church, into the, into the funds of this church, how, how many understand that it's not just us that are being influenced and touched in the here in the now. It's not just about keeping the lights on and paying the bills, but it's about investing in the kingdom. We are investing, we are partnering with God in kingdom work 
that just doesn't touch our lives directly. It goes around the world. So whether it's through the college, whether it's in international missions, whatever we do, whenever we put money in the plate, whenever we put money into the funds, we are touching the world. Jesus is touching the world. Isn't that a great thing to know? We are partnering with God, the kingdom of God, around the world. And so as we uh, put that slide on, and I call the ushers to come, and uh, as we, as we uh, want to be generous, we want to, we, the Lord loves a cheerful giver, not a resentful giver, loves a cheerful giver. And as we uh, take up our offering, and as we put the slide, let's, let's just stand this morning, and let's just make this, uh, again, this declaration, that we are partnering with God, to carry the kingdom and to carry a revival. I, I was so thrilled to be able to go to the Randy Clark conference about revival. And we need revival in our land. We need revival. We need the spirit again to blow across this land and change lives and change communities, change cities. So Lord, as we receive today's offering, we are believing you for heaven open earth invaded, storehouses unlocked and miracles created, dreams and visions, angelic visitations, declaration, impartation, and divine manifestations, anointings, callings, gift decisions and promotions, provisions and resources to go to the nations, souls and more souls from every generation, saved and set free, carrying kingdom revival. Thank you, Father, that as I join my value system to yours, you will shower favor, blessing, and increase upon me so that I have more than enough to co-labor with heaven to see Jesus get his full reward. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. We can show the praise to that. I heard some of them laughing because I got words a little mixed up. I don't know if I got any much of an excuse. My glasses are on my face, and the words are bigger than life. But I, can, I might be able to blame it on the glasses. Not sure. I got three. You can't see it, but I have, like, trifocal things going on here. I got the top where you can, you can see a long ways away. Then there's the middle, for which is about computer screen. And then there's the, when I look up like this, then I can see the really small stuff. So, praise God. Second Timothy this morning for a few moments. Just for a few moments. Second Timothy. And I think we have a title slide of some sort. It's just a title. I'm still working on Proclaim. There we go. Influence of a Godly Mother. Just a few thoughts this morning. But Paul writes in Second Timothy chapter 1. He writes this, he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. And he says, I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience. As night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I am filled with joy. 
And I am reminded. How many know it's important that there's times when we are reminded? I have a short memory. My wife can attest to that. She has a memory like a computer system. But there's times when we need to be reminded. I heard at conference this week uh, a message from Bill Markham, pastor in St. Catharines, Ontario. It wasn't so much that he said something new. It was the fresh way in which he framed it. And for me, I needed to hear that one more time of how God is a God of the impossible. That was a message for me that day. But this morning, Paul is reminded. He's saying, I am reminded of what? And he says to Timothy, I am reminded of your sincere faith. Sincere faith. How many understand that faith, real genuine faith is important? Smith Wigglesworth preached a lot about faith. And the reason it was to build a culture of faith. To build an atmosphere of faith and expectancy. And he says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, Timothy, which first lived in your grandmother, Lois. So if you're a grandma here, it's very important when it comes to your faith. And then he says, and in your mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you. So, Lord, we thank you to this morning for the moms and the grandmoms that are here. And we thank you, Lord, for their faith that they have right now. And I pray, Father, that today that their faith, Lord, that as they journey through their life with Jesus, that their faith would continually grow. It would be cultivated. And in so doing, God, that it would be a faith that would be infect that would infect their sons, their daughters, their grandchildren, their families. Because Lord, you have you have established a home, you have established parents and grandparents to nurture and to model and to be an example. And though Lord, though that we fail sometimes. We don't always get it right. Lord, we know that we can come back and we can draw from your unending, unlimited well of grace that we need to be strengthened. And so, Lord, this morning we pray a special blessing on the grandmoms and all the mothers here, and the families that are here. And if our moms or our grandmoms are not here, Lord, we, we just ask God that, that you would help us to remember them and honor them in our hearts today. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. I'm not sure if you can relate to Timothy. Uh, who, who would say that they had a grandmother who prayed for them? Oh, that's great. I'm, I think, yeah, this is good. Or how about a mom who you knew was praying for you? I see a lot of hands. So we're in good company this morning. You can relate to, to Timothy. I can, re, I can relate that to that. I can relate because I had, I remember going up in East Green Harbor. We lived in a little uh, community. Uh, I, I jokingly call it the suburbs of Lockport. It's really in the sticks. But I remember going up on, we called it the hill. So I would go up to the hill 
And I just remember going up to the hill and sitting in my grandmother's living room with my grandfather. And whenever they opened their mouth, whenever they talked about God, whenever they, they had a conversation like that, I was all ears. I was all ears. There was just a wisdom and there was just a faith and there was a steadiness in their life. And there was such a peace about them that you just knew that God was working in their lives. You just knew they had a faith that was deep. And now she's well into her, I mean, she's pushing, she's, she's on her way to 100 years of age. I remember going to uh, Kentonville to visit her. And she was going in for hip surgery a few years back. And uh, I walked in to visit my grandmother because we were in Windsor, which is about probably 40 minutes away from the Kentville Hospital, but she lived down on the South Shore. And so I, went, I had a chance to go visit my grandmother before her surgery, and, and she was all smiles, laying in the hospital room, waiting for her surgery. And she said, you know, the doctor said, oh, you know, a hip surgery at your age, you know, it could go one way or the other. But she said, you know, it didn't really matter. It doesn't really matter because if I pass on, well, I'll be with Jesus. It doesn't matter. But if I'm here, that's all, you know, it's, that's all good. It's whatever, whatever. And I'm like, man, to me, it, it, it was just, again, it was just an amazing thing to see the peace and the, and the assurance that my that my grandmother had in the Lord. So very instrumental, very influential in, in my life. And so it is today. Moms, grandmoms, I want you to know this morning that you have a profound influence on the lives of your children and your grandchildren. You do. You have a profound influence. One writer said this. He said that the most influential person... Uh, position in the nation today is held by a woman. He says she enforces the law, practices medicine, and teaches without a degree, certificate of competence, or required training. She handles the nation's food, administers its drugs, and practices emergency first aid. A man literally places his life and the lives of his children in the hands of this woman. Sounds like a mom to me. Another writer said that the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. And Paul said, I've been reminded of your sincere faith, Timothy, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded now lives in you. In you. And the reason is this. First thing I just want to kind of highlight here is that a godly mother, how many know it's important to have a mom. But there's something that is even more impactful when you know that that mom has a heart for God, a godly mom. That she has a profound influence on her children. What does it mean to have a profound influence on, on their children? It means that the values system, it means that the decisions that are made, the actions that are taken, the attitudes, the morality has a deep impact on the generation that is coming up behind us. The generation that's here now. Moms have a deep 
influence, a profound influence. One person said, give me a generation of Christian mothers and I will undertake to change the whole face of society in 12 months. And Paul is saying to Timothy, Timothy, your grandmother and your mother had a very deep impact on who you are today. And see, Timothy was a a young man. Some say he was about 40 when he took over. So that makes me a young man. I'm only 42. Some of you might disagree. But he was a man that was held in high regard. Philippians 2.20, the Apostle Paul makes the following statement about Timothy. He says, there is no one like Timothy. And in Acts 16.12, again it states that. It says, tells us that the brothers of Lystra and Iconium spoke well of Timothy. And what was it that caused Paul and Luke to make this commendable statement regarding Paul's son in the faith? And the answer was that he had a profound influence in his life. And Paul says this. He says of your grandmother and your mother, that that their faith was sincere. Their faith was sincere. And that translates, that word sincere comes from a Greek word from which we get our, our English word hypocrite. It means to be undisguised. It means to be without hypocrisy. In other words, his mother and grandmother were genuine. They were not hypocrites. There was no putting on a false show here. There was no deceit. There was no pretense. They were authentic. And how many know that the generation that's coming up right now values authenticity. I remember when I went over to the, uh, the School of Revival with Randy Clark and uh, Tom Jones, and uh, Clark had mentioned about one of the books that they had written, or he had written, and he was actually surprised that the book, one of the books that he had written was actually more popular among those that were attending the Global School of Supernatural Ministry than some of the other more scholarly works that he had written. And the reason was this, is that they appreciated his honesty. They appreciated his transparency. They appreciated his authenticity. In other words, it was refreshing to see that you weren't where you are today. That This is a journey of your faith. You were growing in the things of the Lord, and yet we could see that there was times when you struggled, times when you maybe even failed, but you were open and honest to be able to to authentically report that, and it was refreshing. He was sincere. He was speaking about reality. It has to do with being genuine. Paul uses this word to describe sincere love. He calls it genuine Love in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 6. But there's also the results of the sincere faith. The results are this. The results are that, he said, I am persuaded that this sincere faith, that's not exactly how the wording goes, but in other words, that the sincere faith that your grandmother and your mother had now lives in you. You see, I've heard it said that Faith is better caught than taught. It's better caught than taught. It's one thing to teach something. It's another thing to catch it through observation and just simply spending time with people. I remember spending time 
with my grandfather. Same thing as my grandmother, a man of faith, a man who was steady, a man who had the peace of God, a man who had wisdom that when he spoke, you listened. I remember my grandfather saying he he hadn't just read the Bible 12 times, he had studied it 12 times. He He could quote scripture, chapters. The Word of God was in him, and you could tell that the Word of God was in him. And it had a profound effect on me. Because it was authentic. His faith was authentic. Charles Swindoll said this. He said, if you are blessed with a good mother, you'll reap the benefits the rest of your days. If your mother neglected your needs and failed to support your dad, unfortunately, much of what you suffer can't be erased for good or ill. A mother's mark is permanent. John Quincy Adams said that all that I am, my mother made me. Abraham Lincoln said, all that I am or hope to be, I owe to my angel mother. Dwight Moody said, all that I have ever accomplished in life, I owe to my mother. So moms today, it's a big job. It's a big responsibility. I don't know anybody here ever. I, I seen a, a T-shirt on Facebook, and it said something like, you know, super mom, you know, super soccer coach, super cook, super taxi driver, blah blah blah. You know, all the different supers. And at the end, it was super tired. <laughs> and I'm thinking, yeah. Now I understand your dilemma. (laughs) Moody said, I owe to my mother. All that I've ever accomplished in life, I owe to my mother. I'm not sure how you feel about your mom this morning, but we wouldn't be here without our moms, amen? We We may not remember all the meals they cooked, but how many know that it made a difference. You're here. Same thing with her, with her, with her faith. Ravi Zacharias said that the greatest, the single greatest obstacle to the impact of the gospel has not been its inability to provide answers, but the failure on our part to live it out. To live it out. How many know it's one thing to say and talk about God in a certain context is another thing to be sure that this is what's being lived out every day. To be authentic. To be real. And Timothy's mom and grandmom, obviously, as Paul said, it was a sincere faith. It was a lived out faith. It was a reality. And it so deeply impressed Timothy. It was so genuine that Paul said it was a living. It was a sincere. It was a living faith. It was active, growing, real, full of the Spirit, and there was no way that it could be denied. And it was because of the faith that his grandmother and his mother had that that faith was imparted. It was transferred. It was transmitted by teaching Timothy the Word of God, by modeling their faith. And Timothy was all that he was, the example that he was, because of the heritage that he had. 
How many know that when we don't have a heritage like that, it throws the entire society into ruins? Why are we losing a generation right now? Why are we losing a generation? It's because we, the devil is attacking the family. He's attacking the family. Do you believe that this morning, that the devil's attacking the family? It's mind-boggling to think. It's mind-boggling to think, because George Barner reports this, that the statistics when it comes to Christians divorcing each other is the same as in the world. And I've read, and I did a paper one time in Bible college, and it was, I couldn't believe the devastating effects that it has on the children. The devil is attacking the family. The family, the first institution that God formed was the family. Why? Because it's the mom and the dad that nurtured the next generation and the generation after them and the generation after them and the generation after them. And the devil is attacking the family, and he knows that if he can rip families apart, he can, he can destroy legacies. He can actually turn a whole nation into ruins. You see, the, the home is God's training ground. We need to do all that we can to build a strong home of faith if we're going to redeem that which was lost. The Bible says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. So therefore, moms and dads, I'll bring the dads into this. Grandmoms and granddads, I'll bring you all into this. I'll bring us all there. Is that the greatest and the highest calling that you have isn't your career. And this isn't to make anybody feel bad, but I don't know about you, but I'm going to be the first one to put my hand up and say that I have not always got this right. I've not always got this right. It's okay to be authentic, isn't it, in the house of God this morning? We're a family, right? But we need to be reminded. We need to be reminded that our greatest calling is not the career that we have. The greatest calling is to train up our children. Is to train up the next generation. It means that we put, I'm preaching to myself right now, is some, sometimes we need to turn the TV off, we need to put the phones down, we need to put all the distractions away, and we need to focus intentionally on the little ones that are within our influence the next generation. Because if we're going to redeem the family, we got to get back to the blueprint, back to what God intends the family to be. And at the very center of most homes are the super moms. Super mom, you have a profound influence. A godly mother also has a practical influence. In 2 Timothy 3.15, Paul says, From childhood, Timothy had known the sacred writings which were able to give him the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. From childhood, from childhood, Timothy knew the scriptures. Deuteronomy 4.9 reminds us of that responsibility to teach children's scripture. Verse 9 
Deuteronomy 4 says, Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. It means to be deliberate. It means to be intentional. The Hebrew word translated teach suggests repeating or telling over and over and over again. And I know that right now there are, and, and I'm not saying this is about this in, this in this particular church, but I know that there are, are Christians today, and you know what they do? They say, well, that's what we pay the youth pastor for. That's what we pay the children's pastor for. That's why we have these programs. And as good as they are, they only supplement what is supposed to happen in the home. I remember it was a pastor, a youth pastor, and, and he took a piece of rope, and he he measured it off at 168 inches. That's taller than I am, or longer than I am, because I'm only 171 centimeters. And he took a piece of tape, one inch wide, and he wrapped it around a section of the 168-inch rope. And he hauled out that rope, and he said, okay, this rope, 168 inches long, represents one full week in the lives of your kids. 168 hours. He said, the little piece of tape that covered just one inch wide, he said, that's the time that I invest in your children's lives. The rest is in your hands. puts things into perspective, doesn't it? It puts things into perspective that we are to be the ones who are the spiritual teachers, that we are responsible to raise up the next generation. Solomon says in Proverbs 6.20, he says, my son, keep your father's commandments and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Moms, you are teachers degree or no degree you're a teacher you have an important role in passing the torch they sense a responsibility in demonstrating the truth practically Lois and Eunice not only communicated but they demonstrated they demonstrated in fact in a very difficult environment well, why would I say that well Acts 16.1 reminds us that Timothy's mom was a Jew and a believer, but his father was a Greek. So here you have a mixed marriage. Chances are Timothy's father may not have been a believer. So the faith of Timothy's mother and grandmother was Jewish, and they were Jewish Christians by the time Paul had met up with them. And in the context of a Jewish family, it was the father's who were primarily responsible for their son's instruction. But in this case, in this case, it was very likely that because his father was a Greek, that Timothy's training came from his mom. His training probably came from his mom. But they also demonstrated truth in a domestic environment. According to Acts 13, and into 14, it is very probable that Lois and Eunice came to faith in Christ through the missionary ministry of Paul and Barnabas during Paul's first missionary journey, which took Paul through Timothy's home area 
in Galatia. And as a result, it's very possible that Paul may have stayed with them in their home and witnessed the reality of their faith being lived out and displayed in that home firsthand. Someone has said this, a Christian mother's most vital task is passing the faith on, not only by what she says, but by what she is. Howard Hendricks wrote, he said, if your Christianity doesn't work at home, it doesn't work. The Apostle Peter probably would have agreed, 1 Peter 3, verses 1 to 4, he says, Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. And when they see the purity and reverence of their lives, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is the great worth in God's sight. No, dear, I will not take back the earrings. We do appreciate them, right, guys? We might look on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. God looks on the heart. The unfading beauty of a gentle and acquired, quiet spirit. There's power in the influence of a godly mother. I want to share this from Franklin Graham's life. He wrote in, in A Rebel Without a Cause. Here's what he said about his mom, Ruth Graham. He said, whatever was expected of the student body, I wanted to do the opposite. Now, this is Franklin Graham. He was rebellious. He said, I got a kick out of staying one step ahead of the law. So think about this for a moment. This is Billy Graham's son. We think of Billy Graham as like the greatest evangelist of our time. And Franklin made a run at being the ultimate preacher's kid. He was a PK extraordinaire. He was always fighting. He was into high-speed car chases, rock music, and hard liquor. Yeah, Franklin Graham. Here's what he said. He said, I didn't want to identify with Christianity. He said, I prayed and attended church, but I found the things of the world were pleasurable. It was fun. I didn't like being around Christian people. Whoa. He said, life became empty, something missing, emptiness that couldn't be explained, no joy, no fulfillment. Decided you couldn't live in the middle ground, either had to follow Christ or reject him. And so he was in a hotel room when all this stuff came flooding into his life and he came to a place where he, re- he knelt down and he, and he bowed his life down to Jesus in a motel room. Especially after he read the scripture verse where it says in Romans 8, 1, that there is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. He said, I put my cigarette out, got down by my bedside and made... And, and settled the matter for eternity. And here's what Franklin had mentioned. He said that his major influence was not his father. His major influence wasn't his father. A man who has preached the gospel to millions. But the influence wasn't his father. His father was usually often doing some crusade somewhere. But the difference in Franklin Graham's life, the reason why he is leading 
the ministry today and leading Samaritan's Purse today, the reason why he is who he is today is because of a spiritually strong mother named Ruth Graham who learned her faith from her parents who were missionaries in China. Mothers, grandmoms, you have a profound influence, you have a practical influence, and you also have a prayerful influence on your children and your grandchildren. And I want to encourage you this morning. I want to encourage you because uh, this is not a message to make us feel bad. This is a message to, 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 to help us aspire to say, you know, I'm going to take that responsibility and I'm going to go with it. With God's help and God's grace, I'm going to go for it because I know that I have influence. What kind of influence can you have? Well, I'm going to close with this. Susanna Wesley, mother of John Wesley. We know John Wesley. Pretty important guy in the history of the Anglican Church, Methodist Church, founder of Methodism. He wasn't really even a Wesleyan until the the Americans made him a Wesleyan. But Susanna Wesley spent one hour each day praying for her 17 children. That's seven, wow, one hour each day. In addition, she took each child aside for a full half or a full hour, excuse me, every week to discuss spiritual matters. No wonder two of her sons, Charles and John, were used. Charles, a hymn writer. John, instrumental, along with George Whitfield in the First Great Awakening, which changed the spiritual landscape of the eastern coast of the United States. And in fact, John Wesley, as a leader of Methodism, the holiness movement, his, his legacy still, still is on today because it is that legacy which we look back toward as Pentecostal believers, Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, emerged out of the holiness movement, out of Methodism, who the father of that movement was John Wesley. We wouldn't exist. This church may not be here today if it wasn't for the ministry of Susanna Wesley, John John Wesley's mom, who intentionally, with her 17 children, understood the value of her influence in each and every one of her children's lives. And one of those children, God raised up and used to bring revival. Isn't that awesome to think that your influence as a mom or a grandmom, you have no idea what what the destiny lies for your children and your grandchildren. You have no idea who could be the next big evangelist. You have no idea who God's finger might be on. He knows their destiny. He knows the plans that he has for them. Your job, my job, is to nurture that faith. That's our job is to nurture that faith and see what God does with it. Came out of Randy Clark's school of revival, and I don't know, when I came out of that, there was a hunger for revival. I can tell you that. There was a longing for the spirits moving. 
It was a longing to see our nation change. It was a longing, but I want you to understand, we never know who it could be that God lays his finger on. Who God picks and says, you, you are going to be the one. And guess what? It could be your grandchildren. One of your grandchildren, it could be one of your sons or your daughters. It could be a, a niece or nephew. It could be one someone in your family we never know. Susanna Wesley didn't know. She was just faithful to pass on a sincere faith and allow God to take that faith and affect her children. And then God took the rest. And the rest is history. The rest is history, revival history, part of our history and heritage. And this morning, we want to honor moms and grandmoms. We want to honor all the ladies in the church today. And we want to encourage you, keep on keeping on. Keep on praying. Keep on believing. Keep on passing on the torch. Keep on imparting. Keep on doing it. As frustrating as it is, my wife homeschools our kids. It is frustrating at times. But keep on doing it because you never know. You never know what God will do. Amen? You never know what God will do. So this morning we're going to call all the moms and the grandmoms up and uh, we're going to Bring them. Is it okay? I know. I know that sometimes not everybody likes to come up to the front. But if you would come up to the front just today, that would be fantastic. All the all the ladies, all the ladies here this morning, and um, we have a we have a, a gift for you. We have a gift for you today. We're just going to get all the ladies to turn. The other way around. It's my it's my jeans. So we're gonna get all the ladies to just come right across the front. And uh, if we have some young people here who would be willing, let's see, I got Aiden and Ethan gonna get recruit you guys. And look, I'm gonna recruit you guys. Okay? to pass out some of these beautiful flowers with the card in it. Happy Mother's Day. So just uh, take a couple, guys, one each hand, and, and just uh, so just go right to that, to the very end until we get everybody a gift. Go right down to the very end. Just go right down to the very end. And just keep coming, that, or pass it along, or however you want to do it. It looks like we're in the minority, guys. It looks like we're in the minority. It's a great looking group of ladies, eh?
Amen. Getting some photos. We'll take a couple moments to get some photos. Amen. Bless you, Lord. Lord. It's a great group of ladies. We need some photographs here. Praise you, Lord. So, with some of the guys that are left, if we could just uh, stretch our hand toward the ladies here this morning, and we're just going to pray a blessing, and we're just going to pray for the grace of God. Because we all need grace, right? We all need grace, not just to be saved, but grace to be strengthened and to be empowered because it's a big job. It's a big job. Now, I know that grandmoms, you know, you can take them and then give them back, right? That's a real, that's a real perk. You can spoil them. You can feed them rockets and all kinds of sugar galore and send them right home to mom and dad. What happens to grandma stays at grandma's, right? Well, let's just pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for every lady here today. Every mother, every grandmother, every mother in the faith. And Father, you have made moms and grandmoms, you have made these ladies, you have designed them, you've created them, to be nurturers, to be teachers, to be the ones who come alongside their children and grandchildren, heal the hurts, put the arms of love and the hugs and the kisses around them. Thank you, Lord, for the love of moms and grandmoms. And today, Lord, we just pray your blessing that the blessing of God would rest upon each and every one of them, that the grace of God, Lord, we pray for more of your grace upon their lives, more of your anointing, more of the Holy Spirit's leading and guiding, because, Lord, we recognize that this is a very sacred trust. This is a very, very high calling, and this is how you designed it to be. And so we pray that, God, that even though it may be to seem like an insurmountable task, sometimes testing the very limits of motherhood, we just pray, Lord, for a special enablement this morning. Because, Lord, because, Holy Spirit, we know that you came upon and you clothed with power from on high to, so that we could fulfill the God-ordained vocation that we have. And, Lord, this is, the, this, is the, this is a much higher office than president or prime minister because you've entrusted the next generation and the generation after that into the hands of these ladies here. And so, Lord, we pray pray blessing. We pray, Lord, for grace. We pray for an enabling of the Holy Spirit. And, Lord, we honor them today. And we thank you for them and each and every one of them. I pray, Lord, that you will enable them and help them 
to be the godly mothers, the influence, the teachers, the spiritual nurturers in their homes. We thank you for all the children and the youth that are part of this church. And they wouldn't be here without their moms. And so, Lord, we thank you for those gifts as well. And, Lord, we ask your richest blessing on every mom and every home that is represented here today. And I pray that, God, that you will help them to fulfill their God-ordained destiny because you have a plan. And in so doing, the destiny and the plans of God will be realized in the lives of their children and their grandchildren as they faithfully carry out their God-given responsibilities. And so we thank you, Lord. We thank you for what you're going to do through them. We thank you for what you're going to raise up through them. And we are just believing, God, for greater things in the coming days. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness to them. And we honor them and we love them. We ask your blessing on each life. In Jesus' wonderful name. And all the guys said, Amen. 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 Happy Mother's Day. God bless you. Ed said steak and lobster's on the way. I can handle that. That would be great. So, we have something else. So, we have something else that's special on the go today. Should you break the news? So, before we go, everyone is welcome for cake and coffee. And that is in honor of Cheryl's birthday today. Someone was sneaky. (laughs) So, cake and coffee. Everyone's welcome to stay for cake and coffee. Unless, perhaps, you have to go because, you know, there were husbands, you know, that made plans to take you out and to... You know, take you out to a wonderful, wonderful, expensive, at the best place in town. So we're just going to ask blessing on the food. And so, Lord, we thank you for Cheryl. We thank you for this milestone. We thank you for her birthday, another year to celebrate. We ask your blessing on the food and our fellowship. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You are free.